Welcome to my homestead, y'all. I'm your host, Jenny Veliki, also known as the Funky Farm Girl. I'm working to create a home with a little farm, a little faith, a lot of food, and a bit of funky. I'm learning all about growing and preserving our food supply, raising chickens and children, and becoming more self-sufficient while leaning hard on Jesus. And I want to take you along for the ride. So grab yourself a cup of something wonderful, and let's visit a while. Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode of the Funky Farm Girl. This is episode 47, Attracting Pollinators to Your Garden, and I'm your host, Jenny Veliki. This week, we're going to learn all about why you want to attract pollinators, how to do it, and who specifically you want to attract. But before we get into today's episode, let's start with our weekly feature, What's Happening on the Homestead. This week we had a major project and a major event. First of all, we did a major kitchen run, uh, chicken run clean out yesterday. We went through and scraped out five to six inches of just really wet poop, food, feed, straw, all the things that build up in your chicken run that just did not have the ability to dry out because of rainy rainy weather that we had and I just could not add enough carbon to dry it up and so what we did instead was to shovel it out and add it to the end of our garden bed right on top of the grass and we essentially created the beginning of a new garden bed that will be our pumpkin patch later on this spring so once the chickens are done tilling and fertilizing and digging through the current garden then we'll swap the fence and have them do the same in this little space uh, while we plant the new garden and then once they're done with this little space we can plant pumpkin seeds the event that we had this week was the hatching day for our 4-H project chicks. These chicks are eggs that come from a local meat bird farmer. And so these are chicks that are raised specifically to be processed for meat consumption. And so we were given 12 eggs. Out of those 12, we had a few that were not fertilized a few that were fertilized and did not make it to full um, incubation. Um, something happened to them along the way and they didn't completely develop. And then we had probably six that did hatch. Unfortunately, two of those hatched with protruding intestines and um, died not long after birth. Uh, it was a sad lesson. It was a hard lesson for us to learn that you can do everything right and still have something go wrong. And death is something that we face on our homestead. It is something that we've dealt with before when our rooster Shaggy died. And so it's something that my children are learning is a natural part of life. It's something that all of us at some point will face. Um, 
but it's also something that we can use especially during this easter period to to remind them of yes all things die but jesus has died and conquered death and risen again and that's what we're celebrating this season and that is where we place our hope and that is anchored in his life and in his death and in his resurrection so i have a post about that on our instagram account so go check out the funky farm girl on instagram and look for the picture of the cardboard box to read that post i also want to start off with a little promo for a brand new product that i have discovered recently you may have seen me talking about it on instagram it's something i'm really excited about and that is a company called red aspen red aspen has lashes and lipsticks and eyeshadow palettes but the thing that i am most excited about that they have is farm proof nails now they won't market them to you as farm proof nails but i'm letting you know that these things stand up to everything that six inch chicken run scoop out that i did the other day i was wearing my red aspen nails never once did i have one chip or split or pop off never had to be precious with my hands i could just dig right in there and get to work do what i need to do and not worry about if my nails were strong enough to do whatever it is i was doing i have dug in the dirt with these i've weeded with these i've planted seeds i've washed dishes I've done lots of cleaning around the house. These nails stand up to everything that this farm girl can throw at them. You can also shorten them or file them down. You can wear them for up to 14 days. The average time of wearing them is about 10 days. Um, They're paraben, phthalate, sulfate, and cruelty free. And there is a link to these in the show notes if you would like to check them out. Again, I highly recommend them. I would not refer any of my listeners to a product that I did not firmly believe in and firmly use. And this is one that I can without a doubt endorse and say, absolutely try these. If you love getting your nails done, here's a better alternative for you that is going to be a lot less costly It's going to be a lot healthier because it is paraben-free and phthalate-free and sulfate-free and cruelty-free. And it's going to be better for your pocketbook. So go check them out um, and send me a picture. If you decide to try them, I'd love to see what they look like on you and how you're loving them. I'm sure you'll love them as much as I did. Now, let's get into today's episode. This week, we're talking about attracting pollinators to your garden. We're going to cover why you want to do it, how to do it, and who to do it for. Who are you trying to bring in? So, as always, we start with our why. Why would we want to attract pollinators to our garden? Well, first of all, you need something to pollinate your plants. Unless you want to do like I did that very first fall when I was planting pumpkins and I wanted to make sure that that one day that the pumpkin flower was open that it would be pollinated. I would go out there with my paintbrush and I would go from the male flower to the female flower to the male flower and all around trying to make sure that what needed to be pollinated that day got pollinated. I can't do that with my entire garden. It's silly. Um, Not only that 
God has designed nature in such a way that it needs the pollinators. And so first and foremost, we want to attract them because it's their job. It's what they're made to do. And we benefit because they will pollinate the plants and that will cause the plants to produce their fruit, their produce, and, and to grow. Second of all, by by attracting pollinators to the yard, we are bringing them to a food supply. We're giving them what they need to for, survive and to thrive. And so it's very important that we provide them with the kinds of things that they need in order to thrive and grow and produce like they should. For example, milkweed with monarch butterflies. Monarchs I have declined um, in population by 85% over the last 10 years because of the use of Roundup on commercial fields. They spray these fields with the Roundup and the overspray on the edges of the fields where milkweed naturally tends to grow have been killed off. And this is the only plant that the monarch butterflies can eat um, when they are pupa and baby caterpillar sized before they go into their cocoon and so the lack of that has caused just a dramatic decline in the amount of monarch butterflies and so this past fall we tried to plant some milkweed Um, I'm excited to see if it will come up and I'll keep you updated on that but that is another reason why we want to attract pollinators to our yard we want to provide them with the food source that they might not be able to get anywhere else And third and finally, we want to attract them to our yard because in a lot of cases, they eat pests that we don't want in our yard. Nature has its own balancing system where you may have a pest, but there's also a predator for that pest. And if if you balance out the way nature works, you can attract the predators so that the pests are under control and your plant is able to thrive. And so that's one of the foundational Um, parts of permaculture that um, I introduced to you last week when we were talking about permaculture and chickens and I want to continue to provide you with different ways that you can incorporate permaculture ideas into your gardening and into your homesteads so we want to pollinate our plants we want to provide a food supply for them and we want them to eat our pests so who are we attracting (laughs) Let's talk about um, different ones. The first category that we're going to cover is bees. And when we're talking about bees, um, there's a specific ways that we can attract them. We can attract them how? By planting large patches of flowers as opposed to single scattered stems. You want big swaths of color, full flowers. Um, Things like sunflowers, lupine, clover, alfalfa, and wildflower mixes. Those things in general will attract the kinds of bees to your yard that are beneficial both to you and to your plants. They're also going to be looking for a water supply. And so it would be great, um, this is good for butterflies as well, to provide some kind of shallow dish with water in it and then you can um, go and put marbles or small flat stones in the bottom and it will allow them to have somewhere to perch while they drink the water. 
And you can also use an insect house. And an insect house gives them a place to live. And it, and it will attract all kinds of different insects. Whether it be bees or ladybugs or all kinds of other different things that benefit from having a, a place to live. And if you provide them that place to live, then they come and they do the job that they're designed to do that benefits you and your garden. So if you're interested in the insect houses, you can check out the link in the show notes for one similar to the one that I purchased that's in my own garden. Um, So check out that for more information. But there are several varieties of these bees that we are trying to attract. So let's go through a few of those varieties and talk about specifically how they can benefit you and what they need. So first of all are the ones that all of us know, honeybees. Honeybees are the most efficient pollinators because they're general pollinators. They're going to pollinate pretty much everything but tomatoes and other nightshades. They prefer purple, blue, and yellow flowers, but they're going to go from flower to flower to flower they're not going to be picky. They're not going to, they're not specific to a certain type of plant. They will pollinate anything where there are, again, big blocks of colorful flowers. So looking um, specifically at the purple, blue, and yellow, those are going to be the ones that they're most attracted to. Now, bumblebees are different than honeybees. And bumblebees are the best for pollinating the nightshades that the honeybees don't prefer. They also will pollinate squashes, gourds, melons, cucumbers, berries, beans, and a number of different fruiting trees, including apples. So when you are attracting the honeybees and the bumblebees together, they're going to make a great team and they're going to pollinate pretty much everything in your yard And they're going to be really efficient at doing that because they're not specific to one particular plant that they come to pollinate. Another thing that you need to try to attract to your yard would be native and natural bees. These are going to be specific bees that come to pollinate a specific plant. Things like an orchard mason bee, a squash bee, a southeastern blueberry bee, or carpenter bees or digger bees and most of these are going to be general pollinators but they're 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 going to be for a specific type of plant also Um, squash bees will pollinate generally anything but they are specifically looking for squash plants Um, blueberry bees are going to be you know roaming around all kinds of things but what they really love are those blueberry bushes so Um, being aware of what is native and natural in your area and what types of bees that you could be attracting by putting up that insect house and providing the water and having the colorful flowers around the things like squash and blueberries that you want to attract those bees in to those particular plants so that they will pollinate them and Um, provide some benefit to you as well as having a food supply of their own and doing away with the pests that are going to try to take over those plants. 
Next up in our categories of pollinators to attract, we have butterflies and moths. Now the butterflies and moths are not going to be as efficient as the bees because the bees are actively collecting pollen going from one plant to another and that is their specific purpose. That's what they're doing. They're going after that pollen specifically. Butterflies and moths on the other hand, they're kind of passively spreading the pollen as they go from flower to flower probing for nectar. Um, they, they don't have the sticky legs like the bees do and things like that but as they're landing on a plant and probing for nectar they naturally will have pollen that sticks to them and then when they flitter off to the next little flower and probe for nectar in that one that some of that pollen will transfer and um, pollinate that particular flower so they're not going to be as effective as the bees but they are still very important Butterflies are going to pollinate any brightly colored flower they can perch on and collect nectar. And the same goes for the moths. Um, butterflies are going to be attracted to things like zinnias, coneflowers, daisies, marigolds, and again the wildflower mixes. And if for no other reason than beauty in attracting pollinators, don't discount the use of flowers in your garden. Um, yes, they can definitely be helpful with um, companion planting as far as um, either providing a host for pests to feed on or repelling pests with their smell. Um, there's a lot of beneficial reasons to have flowers in your garden. And attracting pollinators is a big one. Um, but don't make the mistake that I made the first year and neglect to add flowers. Because those flowers are not just for show. They, they really do provide a lot of useful service to your garden. And your garden will be healthier and more productive because of it. And it'll be more beautiful and you'll enjoy it even more than you already do. When you're trying to attract moths and butterflies. For moths, they're going to like night blooming things. Such as four, four o'clocks, moonflowers, and gourds. Things that open up in the evening and stay open and then maybe close when the sun comes up. Those are going to be the types of things that will attract your pollinator moths. Okay, so so far we have bees such as honeybees bumblebees native and natural bees we've got butterflies we've got moths have you ever thought of attracting flies to your yard i know most people think of flies as a pest that they try to keep away and in general that can be true um they they are nasty to have around if you're trying to have food outside and they are bothersome to animals um particularly if you have like livestock or goats or chickens and things like that but they can be beneficial in your garden so maybe by planting the things that they're attracted to they will stay more towards that area of the yard and away from other parts of your yard so maybe consider that as you're planting different flowers not to plant things that they might be attracted to in areas where you wouldn't want them to be 
when it comes to beneficial flies, there are flower flies and house flies, but the fly that is most beneficial to your garden is the hoverfly, specifically the larva, because they are one of those pest-eating pollinators. They're going to eat aphids and leafhoppers and other garden pests. And while they're there, they're going to pollinate your peppers, your berries, your grapes, your stone fruit, your beets, your carrots, and your celery. So if you want to attract those, you need to plant some alyssum, some chamomile, some parsley, and some yarrow. Those are all things that will attract um, the hoverflies so that you have the benefit of pest reduction and pollination from one super pollinator. Last but not least, we have the ever lovely, ever popular, ever busy and fast hummingbird. I love hummingbirds. They are super cool to watch. Um, I especially love to see them stop and then fly backwards. It's pretty cool. So definitely love when I can attract hummingbirds to my yard. So if you want to attract hummingbirds, they're going to want to pollinate any kind of flower that has nectar. They're also going to eat mosquitoes, gnats, aphids, and other small insects. So again, these are beneficial pollinators. They're not just there to do a job for you as far as pollinating. They're also going to do some pest control for you. If you want to attract them, they're going to be looking for flowering plants on trees or in the garden. And they're best going to be able to reach things that are accessible to to them so think of things in the trees things growing on trellises and vines things in hanging baskets those are the types of places where you want to have some flowers with nectar that will attract hummingbirds you can also have a bird bath for them just to have a place to rest they don't necessarily need water but they like to have a cool place to to stand for a minute and they also appreciate sheltered perches to rest on. So now that you know why we're attracting pollinators, you know how to attract those pollinators, and you know who you're trying to attract, the question is what will you plant in your garden to attract pollinators this year? I highly encourage you to think through what flowers you can add to your garden that will serve a multi-purpose, that will deter pests and attract pollinators and really benefit and boost the production of the vegetables and other things that you have growing in your garden this year. I'd love to chat with you and see what you're planning this spring. So if you'd like to connect with me, you can always find where I am on social media by going to thefunkyfarmgirl.com. That gives you the link to all the places I am on Instagram, Pinterest, Facebook, and the podcast. And as always, feel free to email me with any feedback or suggestions or questions that you may have. My email is Jenny, J-E-N-N-Y, at thefunkyfarmgirl.com. Again, that's Jenny, J-E-N-N-Y at 
thefunkyfarmgirl.com. And don't forget to check out the Farm Proof Nails from Red Aspen. There's a link in the show notes. Join me next week. I will have a little co-host. Georgia is going to join me. And we're going to talk about bunnies. So if you have any specific questions you'd like us to address in this podcast episode, make sure to send me an email or connect with me on Instagram so we can be sure to include that in our show. Until next time. Thanks for stopping by, y'all. If you're inspired by what you've heard today, the best compliment you can give me is to share the Funky Farm Girl with your friends. You can stay connected by following the Funky Farm Girl on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Until we meet again next week, remember to bloom where you're planted.